The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. Liz Truss made waves in the world of politics today, claiming in a Telegraph essay that the powerful economic establishment and a lack of political support had prevented her from enacting her policies. Laura Koonsberg pressed Business Secretary Grant Shapps on whether he agreed with any of Truss's claims. She does, Grant Shapps, say a bit about the communication should have been better. But she has a pretty stinging verdict, actually, on your whole party, saying the Conservatives failed for years to lay the groundwork, to make the right arguments. I mean, when you were sitting across the Cabinet table from her, were you thinking, hold on, we're getting this all a bit wrong, Liz, kind of slow down, put your seatbelts on, this might be the wrong way to go about it, or were you quite happy to go along with it? Well, we'd already, at this stage, this is in the last Mm -hmm. six or seven days of of the government, um, we'd seen the impact on the markets. Uh, she, I wasn't part of her initial uh, administration. But did you agree uh, with her I, vision? Because well, you no, took I was, a job as Home Secretary. It's one I, of the I thought jobs actually the at that point in time there was a moment of sort of almost national duty uh, to uh, be doing one of the most important uh, roles in terms of the security of the nation, uh, and very much uh, took it on, on on that. But I also sort of wished her luck. And you know, your question is: In my heart, do I think we should have? a lower tax economy? The answer, yes, absolutely. No, my question is, in your heart, do you think that Liz Truss's approach was the right one? Well, clearly it wasn't. Clearly it wasn't. And was she wrong then to write this morning that the Conservative Party has failed for years to make the right kind of arguments? Well, I think she makes the perfectly valid point that somebody's obviously got to be uh, agitating for and making the good arguments for the reasons why a lower tax economy in the longer run uh, can be a very successful economy. And by the way, uh, our overall level of tax is still lower than Germany. I think it's still lower than France, for example. So but the I also it's accept, ever been in this it's, country, But I also, I was going to say, I also accept it's, it's very high and we do want to see that reduced. I think you've got to set this within an international picture, which is Ukraine was invaded, energy prices went through the roof. We're in a situation, for example, where we're paying a third of people's energy bills, and that is unprecedented, mm-hmm. right after the whole coronavirus thing. And, and so our, we've had to spend vast fortunes, and of course taxes have had to and, rise. And, and Former Conservative Party chair Jake Berry told Koonsberg that he still agreed in principle with Truss's policies, even if they weren't delivered in the correct way. He said lowering taxes and creating a growing economy is what the people of the UK want. But Shadow Social Care Minister Liz Kendall went on the attack, saying the Conservatives drove the economy off a cliff. Liz Kendall, you're rolling your eyes and shaking your head while Jake was talking there. What did you make of how the way she's gone about this? Well, less than 20 weeks since the Conservatives drove the economy off a cliff, Liz Truss is already back with no apology and no humility. And people whose mortgages rocketed and whose pensions plummeted will look on with at best shock and at worst anger and the problem for Rishi Sunak is he can't control any of this because he knows as Jake has just said that many people in the Tory party still agree with this and when you look at a series of decisions that have been made 
whether it's on onshore wind, uh, whether it's on house building, Sunak is making decisions with always an eye to the right of the party, putting his party before what we need in the country. And that ultimately is the problem because he will not be able to deliver the growth and change the country Doesn't needs. Grant Shapps also spoke to Sophie Ridge about tough new immigration rules being considered by Rishi Sunak, which would stop immigrants who arrive to the UK illegally from appealing against their deportation. Ridge questioned whether there are legal routes available to some refugees. If you come here via an illegal route, so you come here to claim asylum and you know in the first place the way you're getting here is not legal, you haven't got an aeroplane, you haven't got a, a commercial service, you've just been trafficked illegally, then if you come here via that route, then you, you, you shouldn't get uh, rights. And that, I think, is quite you a basic... You shouldn't get rights. You shouldn't, you shouldn't get rights if you're brought... If you, if you consent and you come here through illegal routes, what we must have is a situation where people can come here legally and claim asylum, but not illegally. Yeah, but the, I think the point is that you can't come here legally to claim yes, asylum, you can. can you? Yes, Unless you are from people with specific people routes come here from all, Ukraine, from Hong people Kong, come here from all, Afghanistan. People come here all the time and legally claim asylum when they get here. So, but the, the important thing is, there haven't been people trafficked so, to get here. They, they bought a ticket to get here, rather than being people trafficked. And people are paying for that trip, by the way, huge amounts of money. Uh, to the, to the yeah. gangmasters. It's not they're getting here free. It's not they're coming here via that route because it's a free I'm way of getting here. I'm just disputing whether there is well. legal routes for people to come here and claim asylum illegally, given you have to claim asylum in the first safe country you pass through um, to get here. Which, which, which also calls into question why it is that that hasn't already happened before people end up That's being a different debate. people trafficked, doesn't it? I'm just it? questioning because whether, they could whether there are safe and legal routes for people from countries other than those Well, all, all I'd say is I don't think there's a country with a bigger heart when it comes to taking people in, say, including, as it happens in my own home, bringing okay. refugees here, but you've got to have that through legal routes. And after Shapps expressed concern that striking NHS workers hadn't cooperated enough to ensure minimum safety levels could be maintained... General Secretary of Unite, Sharon Graham, accused Shapps outright of lying, adding that the government had not negotiated over pay at all. Isn't that exactly the reason why walking out is actually going to put patients in even more peril? Well, actually, you know, again, listening to Grant Shapps, I mean, I haven't used this word so much about politicians, I don't think, ever in 30 years, but he's actually lying. Um, the idea that he is saying that ambulance workers did not do minimum cover in the dispute is an absolute, utter lie. And it's important that we rectify that this morning. That is not true. Um, what we are doing is that we, of course, are making things as safe as possible. And you can, you can look at um, our stats to show that that has happened. Um, but on a daily basis, this government, is putting people's lives at risk. We've got 500 people dying in a single week just waiting for ambulances, and that's outside other pieces. They need to come to the table. Where is Rishi Sunak? Um, this is either because this man is out of his depth, he doesn't know what he's doing, or there's a much more sinister reason as to why they are doing this to the NHS. But Sharon Graham, I'm sure Grant Shapps, would, who's not now here to respond to your claim that he's actually lying about what's going on, but that's a very serious charge. But I just want to say to you, our viewers this morning will have heard Grant Shapps being disparaging about the unions. They'll mm. now hear you being disparaging about the government. You, surely both sides could do the public a favour, cool things down and sort it out. What are you doing to actually try and make that happen? 
Well, look, it's really difficult. Laura, in 30 years of negotiating, I've never seen um, such an abdication of responsibility in my entire life. Rishi Sunak is the CEO of UK PLC. We are trying to sit down with him and do a negotiation. It's very difficult to do a negotiation to solve a dispute like this if they won't even come to the table. They won't even come to the table. We've wrote to them, we've asked them to say, come to the table, we are willing to look at solutions in relation to this. So the is money Steve is Barclay, there. Is Steve Barclay, the health secretary, has said that there is dialogue going on. Is he not telling the truth? Um, he's not telling the truth, Laura. Um, I can tell you categorically that there has been no conversations on pay whatsoever with Rishi Sunak or Stephen Barclay about this dispute in any way, shape or form. They've it danced around their handbag, danced around the edges, but they will not talk about pay. And to me, that is an abdication of responsibility. The dispute is about pay. So how can they say they're in talks? Talks about what? What are they in talks about? But the are there talks at pay. other levels? Sharon Graham, are there other talks at other levels with other ministers? ministers or government officials or are you telling our audience this morning that on the eve of the biggest health strike in history there is zero conversation between anyone in your union and anyone at all speaking for the government? I can absolutely categorically, categorically tell you that. I, I had the, region, the general secretaries uh, in a conversation with me last week. In fact, we were watching your programme one morning thinking, have we all missed an email? What talks are they talking about? Um, I can categorically say to you, we are in no talks at any level whatsoever with the government about pay in the NHS. Um, and that is a real abdication of responsibility. Why is Rishi Sunak not coming to the table? Instead of doing, you know, sort of press sort of conferences about other things, come and negotiate. Roll your sleeves up and negotiate on the pay in the NHS. That's what's required. Sophie Ridge spoke to Shadow Business Secretary Jonathan Reynolds, saying she didn't understand why Labour couldn't be more specific about how they would approach negotiations over the strikes. When pressured, Reynolds admitted that Labour probably wouldn't be able to offer nurses a double-digit increase in pay. I don't know if I'm being slightly slow here, but I do. I just don't understand why you can't give a figure. You said there that, you know, Labour can't give a figure for the same reason that the unions can't give a figure, because they're involved in the negotiation. But you're not involved in the negotiation. I don't understand why you can't give a figure on what, what pay rise you would give to public sector workers. Well, you've got different issues in different disputes. I mean, part of the NHS dispute is very clearly about workload. OK, so the let's talk about, in, say, let's talk about specific then. The would you give nurses a 10% pay rise? Realistically, the top opening offer, no, we probably wouldn't be able to meet that, but we would negotiate. And fundamentally, we have a much more compelling message about those workload problems because we've got that plan to abolish the non-DOM rule for the super rich and therefore use that revenue of a £3 billion to vastly increase the numbers of doctors, nurses, midwives in the system. So that would be part of the negotiation. But I don't think if the people who are directly involved in disputes can understandably come on television and give specific figures, it's not helpful, frankly, for us to do. But we're very serious about understanding the burdens people are facing. And the fact the government has to recognise that. And the big difference, and you heard it there from my opposite number, Grant Shapps, is that the government, frankly, rather than want to solve these disputes, they want to use them as excuses for the poor state of public services in the country after being in power for 13 years. They want to okay. use those disputes to say, that's why public services aren't working. Everyone in the country knows, even when there aren't days when industrial action is taking place, whether it's the railways or the health service, things are not as they should be. And that is the responsibility of the government. I think everyone would you know, agree that there is a lot of strain on public services at the minute. But it does feel that uh, that did give a bit of clarity there, that look, you would get around the table, you'd negotiate on uh, conditions and on pay as well. But 10% pay rises 
that match inflation would be unaffordable. Well, look, the government often cites, for instance, the, the 1970s, where you saw essentially a series of, of pay negotiations in excess of inflation as people started to expect it. And of course, that leads to the kind of spiral that ultimately diminishes living standards even further. But let's be clear, I mean, the average settlement in the private sector last year was 7%, well below the rate of inflation. It's just that the public sector settlement was even more significantly behind that. So I don't think working people in this country are being unreasonable, but they do expect their government to listen to the pressures they're under. They would like a little bit of responsibility from the government because, let's be frank, you could argue that the last 13 years have been one of the most disappointing periods in the entire economic history of the United Kingdom, and I don't see the government really being honest and frank about that. So but, that, Labour, that but Labour wouldn't be able to match the pay, pay demands of public sector workers either. Well, I think we could settle these disputes fairly quickly if the government were to stand down and give us a chance of doing it, because I think we fundamentally understand those issues around workload, burden. You know, we talk about unprecedented levels of inflation, and that's right, but look at grocery inflation. I mean, it's 17% almost for a lot of you know, people when they're going out doing their shopping, buying essential items for the household. So, of course, you see in those disputes incredible levels of turnout, of people very strong feelings about it. They're simply reflecting you know, the position they're under. And I think many people, by the way, are looking at this and say, you know, now you've got a Conservative government that's been in power now for the same amount of time as the last Labour government. Well, are they better off after 13 years of that Conservative government? And for nearly everyone in this country, the answer is no. And with upcoming strikes happening across the public sector, Sophie Ridge also spoke to Matt Rack, General Secretary of the Fire Brigades Union, about whether he had concerns about public safety. Rack said there were measures that allow firefighters to return to work when major incidents occur. Well, of course, we don't underestimate the seriousness of what we are doing and and our members understand that but as I say at the end of the day people have uh, families to look after in terms of safety yeah. uh, we are the, the government has brought in legislation long before this new legislation to require fire services to put in place resilience plans as it's described contingency arrangements and each uh, year they're supposed to check that we've always been assured by ministers and by chief fire officers that all those plans are perfectly adequate. So that's their responsibility. The question about public safety is one that sits with the government and with chief fire officers. It is their responsibility, not the responsibility of firefighters. You say, We're you trying say, to look you after know, you their say that the safety is, on, is, is at the door of the government and others, not individual uh, firefighters. But if I just want to look at, for example, this is uh, Billy Holland of the West Midland Fire Brigades Union. He said, um, we expect fire services to depend on the small number who choose not to strike to provide cover during any periods of action. It goes on to say, you know, there will be an agreement that allows firefighters and control staff to respond to major incidents during strike action if they wish to do so. I mean, it sounds an awful lot like you are putting, you know, well, safety on individual firefighters to make that First of all, decision. we need to look at the legal response. The legal responsibility sits with the fire authority and the chief fire officer. We have uh, reached, since 2002, in any dispute we've had, we've reached what's called a major incidents agreement. That allows firefighters to return to work in case cases of major incident. That's negotiated at a national level and then applied at a local level. But Billy Holland will be reflecting what his chief officer has said in the West Midlands, as they have all over the country, don't worry about it. And we can provide the quotes where they have said, i.e. the chief officers, don't worry, I've got it all in hand. They've never spoken to us about any of this, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the chief officer there will not have been negotiating with Billy, though the details of what 
they have in place, that's, as I say, a matter well, for guess, the Chief Officer. I guess, you know, look, look, you're talking about the legal responsibility, and I'm sure you're completely right, you know, you're a guy who's very across the details, I, I defer to you on it, but I guess I'm just talking about the, the gut instinct that people have, you know, the, the fear that people will have, oh my gosh, the fire brigade is going on strike, am I going to be safe? What if there's a big fire? What's going to happen? But Sophie, the, 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 we did not call strikes, we announced before we... I'm not uh, talking about no, blame, just, I'm just me, talking about what... what let me make what, a point. What we, we, should people we, expect? Delayed. If there is a big fire, what happens? We delayed calling any strikes for 10 days to allow our employers to negotiate a settlement. We want to avoid a strike in the first place. The re we've got to look at why there are strikes in uh, key sectors, health, ambulance, fire service, because yep. 12 years of driving down workers' wages, look, and it's not acceptable. And that's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman and this was a Coffee House Shots podcast. Do subscribe on all the usual podcast channels. And if you enjoyed this roundup, do subscribe to my daily evening blend email. It's a free roundup and analysis of all the day's politics. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week. <laughs>